0: Welcome to This Week in Video Games episode 47. My name's Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week I've been playing Animal Crossing and I also caught up on the demo of Final Fantasy VII Remake. I was lucky enough this week to sit down with Rami Ishmael, game developer, consultant and advocate of indie games all over the world. I've also been stuck inside, like many of us, so I took a look at some of the best social games out there to keep us social during these interesting times. Well, it's a jam-packed show, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and having a good week. Well, lots has happened over the past few weeks, huh? We went from a few canceled events to 1.2 billion people on lockdown since the last episode so i hope you're all doing well out there and you're staying safe i'm pretty good i'm based in london and i'm fairly used to working at home Uh, friends and family they're nice and safe and healthy at the moment uh, but i wish everyone out there all the best during these unprecedented times thank god for animal crossing right talking of animal crossing let's get into what i've been playing this week So as I said this week, I've mainly been playing Animal Crossing, much like a lot of the planet right now, and it really couldn't have come at a better time. As well as loans from Tom Nook, I've also been playing the demo of Final Fantasy VII Remake. I know that's been out for a few weeks, but I finally caught up with it, and wow, I I absolutely love it. It's so good. It made me super hyped for the main game coming out on April the 10th, 2020. Otherwise, I've been playing a little bit of Iron Banner in Destiny 2 this week, and I got the new bow, and, well... It's definitely a bow, it's not really viable but it's a pretty cool looking bow aesthetically but I played with it basically for a little while and then put it into the vault. Also, very exciting news, I managed to pick up a VR headset this week uh, for Half-Life Alex, and I'll get into my review of Half-Life Alex on the next episode as I haven't actually jumped into it yet but I'm super impressed with VR so far. So as you may know, I picked up VR for the first time late last year with a PSVR and I've been mean to pick up a unit of my own. And I was thinking about a Valve Index, but I couldn't really justify the cost. So in the end, I went for an Oculus Rift S, which is kind of like a good kind of in between the Valve Index and the Oculus Quest. So far, so good. And uh, I'll let you know how I get on with that. And if you've got any good VR recommendations, then let me know. But first up this week, let's have a look at my first impressions of Animal Crossing New Horizons. not many games as relaxing and delightful as Animal Crossing New Horizons. Comes at the perfect time too as we could all do with a little relaxation these days. This is going to take a little more time for a full review as a game like this takes time to see everything that it has to offer. So the following are my first impressions of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Tom Nook has come up with a new business idea, the deserted island getaway package. It's time to start again from scratch with nothing but a tent and some basic tools and build your own town, shaping it the way you want, growing what you want and meeting lots of new villagers. There's beaches, there's fish to catch, there's bugs, decorate your house, grow flowers, the options sometimes feel endless. The game has that classic Nintendo charm that we all talk about, this though has it in spades and it also has spades the whole package it's feel good it's peaceful and you can express yourself and unleash your creativity the game is like a blank canvas and your island is yours to do with what you please there's no weapons or jump scares or bosses just sit back and relax the game is played out in real time as soon as you wake up from your tent on your first morning the game sinks into reality if it's summer outside then it's summer in animal crossing and so on certain creatures only come out during the day or night and there's also going to be seasonal events too. So when you start up you can pick the southern or northern hemisphere to keep the weather patterns local to what you're used to. The first few days on the island you'll be getting used to the basic game loops of Animal Crossing New Horizons. We meet Timmy and Tommy of Nook Inc to start with, the two employees of Tom Nook. They invite us to our new island paradise with two other islanders and the first job is to pitch your tent and help out your neighbours. Once that's done, there's an island party where you get to name the island and then it's time to meet Tom Nook himself. He's the mastermind behind the whole operation, always looking to lend you money, interest free of course. And he'll help you with the basics like picking fruit and collecting resources. After a busy first day, then it's time to go off to bed. On the second day, Tom Nook is waiting outside your tent and you know, Tom Nook you are pretty keen mate. He'll give you a Nook phone and inside it you will have mini objectives. This little checklist is a great way to keep you engaged and also you get rewards. There's a couple of currencies in the game. You've got bells and you've got nook miles. So bells are the game's money and whereas kind of nook miles, that's a scheme cooked up by Tom Nook and Nook Inc. And you can trade nook miles for rewards and upgrades. Tom Nook, he's looking for payment for the travel to the island and your setup fees. So your first task is to pay back 5,000 nook miles. And this is a great introduction to the nook phone and how those objectives work. Catch fish, bugs, plant flowers, speak to your neighbours. All of them provide rewards and get you into the Animal Crossing game loop. It won't be too long before you're up past midnight saying to yourself, right, I've just got to catch three more unique species and then I can go to bed. Tom Nook, he's got you in his pocket from day one, have no doubt about that. After the first few days, things open up. Blathers, the owl, comes to the island looking to open a museum. You take out a loan of 98,000 bells, your first home and you build a shop for the island. You'll start to craft tools like a shovel, a vaulting pole and axe allowing you to collect more resources. One thing that is a little bit annoying is the breakable items, it doesn't take too long to craft again but at the start they don't really last very long and I found it interrupted the flow a little bit but it wasn't really a huge deal. The game really just snowballs from there and you'll start to have a huge checklist of things to do each day. You can check in in the morning, make sure you get everything ASAP, or you can take it easy and check in every few days or when you can, although the villagers might start asking where you've been. There's local and online co-op play too, after a few days you'll be able to open up the local airport and you'll then be able to invite people to your island or you can go to theirs. The interactions are fairly limited in classic Nintendo fashion, but that makes sense as you've got a huge variety of ages playing this game. Animal Crossing New Horizons has something for a variety of players. You can collect things for Blathers and yourself and also put loads of time and effort into designing your own home. There's furniture, wallpaper and plenty of other things you can do to customise your game. It almost feels limitless at times. So I'm new to Animal Crossing and what I've played so far I'm really, really enjoying. The process of gathering resources and getting that upgrade feels peaceful and rewarding at the same time. I really like the real time aspect of the game and I wouldn't want to rush through this one as Animal Crossing is a joy to play and certainly a great game for these times and I'll be back soon with a full review. Well that's it for my Animal Crossing first impressions and let me know if you've played it and sign up to patreon.com forward slash this games and I'll read out your stories on the podcast. Well next up is my interview with Rami Ismail and Rami is one half of Vlambeer, a game development company coming out of the Netherlands. He's also a huge advocate of indie gaming and speaks at many conferences all over the world. We had a chat about a range of things including the current global crisis, some personal coping strategies which included a heavy dose of Animal Crossing, GDC relief efforts, first consoles, Doom Eternal, Half-Life Alex, and the current State of Destiny. It was a really really good chat, I really really enjoyed myself. So let's go over to that interview now. Welcome back to This Week in Video Games and I'm here with Remy Ishmael. And uh, welcome Remy,
1: how's it going? Uh, I'm good, um, you know, it's been an interesting week or so but uh, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good at the moment.
0: And uh, yeah it's it's kind of unprecedented times so um I hope everything's going well with you and have you have you had any kind of um kind of personal
1: coping strategies during these uh, these these times well yeah the first week was just curl up and cry and then uh, I think the second week was just animal crossing i think that's rid- like honestly that's all i've been doing i've i've um i started animal crossing the day it came out i am i check up on my villagers in the morning i get to work you know have some breakfast um then i'll take a break from work or whenever i hear that sound of that balloon floating by you know with the gift under it i'll pop the balloon because i'll just have my switch next to me actually muted it now for the recording um so i'm missing out on all these good presents but uh animal crossing has been uh, really helpful for me i don't know i'm i'm normally obviously part of my work involves a lot of travel a lot of meeting people a lot of talking to people um and being in different places and that contrast has always you know looking at it from here where i'm in one place for so long um i think the last time i've been in one location for this long must have been like eight or nine years ago so for me this is very strange and it feels like my world got really small and animal crossing reminds me that you know everybody is still out there and everybody is still trying to like do good stuff and have a good time and it's been really reassuring in that way
0: have you um have you found this kind of transition to the remote working um
1: is that going okay well the thing is so i actually for me the problem is the opposite of the problem that a lot of people have i'm used to remote work this is just homework uh, i've never done that before like i have an office at home and i'll work on it for the week i'm in the netherlands and then I, you know, jet off to another place or drive off to another country. or um, So I'm used to, like, working on the road from my backpack, sitting at, like, an airport gate, trying to upload a build before my flight goes, um, doing an interview in, like, the 10 minutes before uh, I have to go through airport security, like, you know, the stopping my car during a road trip and, like, taking a phone call about something important. Um, that's what I'm used to. Now I just wake up. I take the like seven steps from my bedroom to the uh, to the office, and I can work. Um, and it's it's just very odd. I'm I think I'm having the opposite problem of a lot of people, where instead of remote work, I'm now working from an office. Uh, it's just you know just my office. Nobody else is here, but uh, it's been it's been interesting. It is I guess this is what life looks like for a lot of people. Um, it's kind of, yeah, it's different. It's, um.
0: I, I wonder if this, um, I mean, this situation will obviously force the hand. I think people have been dabbling in remote working across various industries. Um, and I, I wonder if this will kind of have a permanent effect in the games industry. For example, I know Bungie, they're still rolling out features to Destiny 2 all via remote working. And I, I was wondering if you think this will have a kind of, um, a permanent effect in the
1: future. I mean, I sure hope so. Like obviously one of the, the, the best things about this is normally the reason to not spin up, uh, a full remote working infrastructure is because you want people to be in the office as much as possible, because that's just how it works. I think now being forced to deal with the reality that we can't do that is forcing a lot of companies to really invest in creating that infrastructure making sure it works well, um, making sure it works at scale and and replacing the value of a lot of in-office interactions. Now, I don't think we'll ever be able to fully replace those, but for a lot of people working in games, there isn't that, like obviously for a lot of the creative team and for leadership, um, there's a huge reason to to require that. Um, But for a lot of people working on the games, you know, creating assets, creating code, It's not necessarily better to have to go to an office. There's obviously people that work better in office environments, you know, with the social parts of office life around them. Um, There are people that work better outside of that. And there's people that some days are the one thing, some days are the other. Um, This infrastructure will clearly show that it is possible. I think that's one of the interesting things about this whole situation is it is showing a lot of things that we were told are impossible or wrong or just not right to actually be very possible and very just right. So I don't know. I I mean, it makes me hopeful that people will be more free to choose how they work and where they work and from where they work. Uh, Hopefully it'll cut back on commute times for a lot of people a little, you know, um, spending time with the family, having a bit more control over how your hours work, Um, You know, all of that comes together. And this, obviously, there's the opposite risk there as well. A lot of indies suffer from uh, overworking because their office is now at home so they can always hop back into work. Um, So there'll be a a lot of uh, social and emotional managing there as well. But um, obviously, offering the choice for people with disabilities, for people with long commutes, for people who have families, like having this option and, and having such clear evidence that this is just possible um, and that work continues, even though, you know, limited or, or reduced, but that for a lot of people, they can still work at full productivity. Um, I think that's good news. And I think as this crisis extends or, or continues, um, more and more of the obstacles will be will be reevaluated or will be considered. Like we, we don't, we shouldn't pretend that this is as good a situation as before. Now, right? Like the remote working is definitely less efficient than the in-office work for for games in general at the moment. But I can't hundred percent tell if that is because it's just inefficient or that it's that we're not used to it and i guess that's a question we'll get an answer to it's uh so maybe there's some kind of silver lining in this
0: situation and and there'll be some positive effects afterwards um i I was i guess related to working practices as well do you think some of our gaming events are going to be permanently changed I, i know for example um uh, EGX Res uh, Digital is kind of running uh, for these, these few days, uh, they got some great talks and they're made available um, over the weekend um, but uh, you know, we saw it quite early on in the year with GDC I think was cancelled first and I, I know you were heavily involved with um, helping out um, people um, after that event got cancelled but then E3 got cancelled and now I'm, I'm assuming Gamescom um, will, will be cancelled if it's not already um, so, do you think the way that we hold gaming events and um, is, is going to be permanently changed too?
1: It's um, So, last year, I organized uh, with a group of, of friends, I organized GameDev.World, which was an entirely online, virtual and free games conference. We translated all of the talks across eight languages so speakers could speak in whatever language they wanted and we would just translate it. Um, and it was interesting because back then the idea of a virtual conference was sort of unheard of, right? Uh, and that is June of last year. And we're one year later and everybody has to do a virtual conference now uh, because there's no way to get together. The interesting thing about game dev. World is our idea was to separate the act of knowledge sharing and talks and communication and workshops from the, the social networking aspect of, um, of conferences, right? Because conferences offer these two very distinct opportunities to people. Uh, the one On the one hand, you can go gain information, gain knowledge, listen to your peers, listen to veterans of the industry, listen to how certain decisions got made. On the other side, you get to meet people, talk to people, pitch to people, uh, start collaborations with people. And I don't think that second one is as easy to reproduce online. But I think that first part can a hundred percent be done online, and I think what we're seeing now is um, being forced into the position of having to do it. It's actually very easy. It's you know it, it's barely an inconvenience, I guess. Um, but the 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 trick to all of this is: can we keep it in such a way that events will keep offering these services so that people can go? or participate or gain knowledge uh, after it's possible again to lock the doors, because that's the big thing. Most of these conferences just can't lock their online doors. If a video is on the internet, people will watch it, right? And it's the same way GDC has the GDC Vault, but there are entire communities around the world where they can only afford to send one or two people, so those one or two people will go, and then they'll just do evenings where they watch the GDC Vault with the community together, right? So um, in that regard, I think the trick is more, can we keep it this way? Can we make sure that this video content, this online content becomes a supplemental part of games conferences um, and that the social function continues to be offline, but that people can participate in these talks live as they happen, um, maybe even do Q&A like we did with GameDev.World and figure things out from there.
0: That's really cool. And uh, I guess talking about... um, uh, game Dev World um, that you um, put on last year. Um, what were the kind of tools and um, bits and pieces that you found to create that social interaction? What, what did you find bet- that, that worked for you uh, best?
1: Well, so the interesting thing about Game Dev World, I think, for us was that uh, it was across eight languages, right? Some of our participants could not... Sp- well, most of our participants could not speak to other participants because there was a language barrier there. And that was actually a, a huge, um, that was a huge wall we weren't quite ready for. Like translating the talks was easy, translating the interaction in chat. Um, that was a lot harder, having moderation for things there. Recreating the the social circumstances of an event. I don't think you can do that online, not at the moment, at least uh, you can get close. But, you, you know, at GDC, I've had I've seen deals happen because somebody sat down next to somebody and just 10 minutes later they're talking about their project and a deal happens, right? Um, you you can't really – that doesn't work in chat. Um, it, it doesn't work with Zoom. It doesn't – like that's just not how it works. Online, everything is – almost everything has to be intentional, right? You set up a meeting. You set up a call You because there's no – there's no other filtering methods. The The advantage of a physical space is you can sit down on a bench to take a break from work, and then somebody else sits down on that bench for a break from work, and now a conversation could happen, right? And that's not really something you can do online as easily. So I think that's the, the biggest obstacle is that there's less of a ad hoc uh, interaction context that... Um, that is easy to replicate online without just going the MMO route of replicating a physical space online and then having avatars and I but I don't think any of us really have the time or stamina to go sit here and play World of Warcraft for like five days straight as sitting in virtual rooms listening to virtual avatars speak I just don't like I know there's products like that I don't think that's the solution I think we'll have to find some sort of abstraction to 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 do this a similar thing online these are things we are thinking about with gamedev.world, but for now we're really focusing on how do we share knowledge. When will you be putting on your next event? So we're currently discussing a next event. So in in uh, response to GDC being cancelled, we've been working with the gamedev.world team really hard on making sure that uh, people that got stuck in travel or abroad uh, can return home. We've dealt with most of the cases that we were offered. There's still a few people that are stuck. Uh, we have I think we still have an Argentinian and some Peruvians that are stuck in the United States and um, theres there's just still groups of people that um, you know can't go home and are stuck in foreign countries without resources. so we're trying to um, we're trying to help and assist as much as we can in that. Um, then on the other side, uh, on the other hand, the other problem is that a lot of people are out of a lot of money. Uh, and especially the people that are more marginalized, that have less money to start with, they usually take the cheaper tickets, they take the cheaper hotels, they skip on the insurance, because nobody thinks that GDC is ever going to get canceled. Right? And if, you know, if something bad happens in your family, uh, some people will still opt to go to GDC because this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a lot of people. Right? Um, While with this, a lot of people spend all of their money and there's just no way to get it back and um in 2013 i think i did a blog post where i evaluated how much it feels like to go to gdc for every country in the world right trying to figure out what the the sort of like feeling cost is so something that we could all agree on um as like a a sort of a monetary representation because it's really hard to say like well you know for an american it's fifteen hundred dollars to go to gdc but for a south african it's two and a half thousand because those numbers are still very different two and a half thousand dollars to somebody from south africa um is very different than two and a half thousand dollars from somebody from the us so um for a lot of people this is a year of salary or multiple years of salary um And that money is just gone. It just evaporated and there's no way to get it back. Um, A lot of airlines are pointing at travel agencies. A lot of travel agencies point back at airlines. We're helping people navigating that, Uh, but it's getting harder as more help desks close. So we can't really help with that. We're organizing a a game jam that's currently happening and a live stream uh, this coming week. Um, Although I don't know when uh, when this podcast will be available. So these things might be in the past by the time uh, people listen to this. Uh, Yeah, so the Game Jam is happening until Monday, but we're accepting existing work. So if people have games, they want to add, we're basically everything that gets made during this weekend or everything that gets submitted will be sold as a pay what you want bundle during a live stream that we're doing next week. Um, And all and every part of revenue for that goes towards the GDC relief fund, which is spearheaded by Wings Um, And Wings is a diversity fund that uh, supports marginalized developers and in response to GDC's cancellation um, They set up this fund uh, this fund to help pay pay back people uh, that lost a lot of money in this so um, if people are listening to this on Sunday, um, that's also one of the last days you can apply to the fund. So if you are a developer that is out of money because this uh, because of uh, GDC's cancellation, uh, then make sure you do go to the uh, G- uh, wingsfund.me slash relief and fill out your information because there might be a way uh, we can help. So I'll I'll
0: put a link down in uh, the show notes in the description um, for this. So it's nice and easy for people uh, to get hold of that. Wow, it's I mean it's so much has happened over
1: the last few weeks. It's it's been so rapid and yeah. March March has been a very long year. It's uh, it's something. It's just when you when you consider what we were up to in like February. It's just it's impossible to imagine how much our world has changed. Right. I don't know. We're, we're living history, which is weird. Um, and there's obviously people getting hurt. Um, the Netherlands is grappling with the situation in its own way. Everybody is trying to figure out how to deal with it. People are losing loved ones and family and friends. And, um, you know, people's big events have been canceled. I have two friends that were getting married. That's not happening. Um I mean they're probably still getting married, but the wedding got postponed. Um our, life has changed so fast you you're not really ready for this kind of of uh what is it? Like it feels like a whiplash almost. Like everything was fine and then now I go to the supermarket and it looks like a military operation. It's yeah. I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm glad Animal Crossing is there.
0: Yeah, I'd um it, I'd never actually played Animal Crossing until the last couple of weeks. It was oh. I I'd played Stardew Valley, but I'd I'd never played Animal Crossing and it, honestly I'm a, I'm a massive Nintendo fan. You know, I grew up on Nintendo. Um so you know, I, I I I play my first console was a NES and SNES and throughout the kind of, you know, generations of Nintendo, but I've actually I've never played Animal Crossing and I'm really pleasantly surprised with it.
1: Isn't it lovely? It's funny because my first console was also a NES, but it was by accident because I had told my dad to get a PlayStation, but my dad is uh, my dad is half Egyptian and uh, and he lives in the Netherlands, but when he has to buy something expensive back in the days, uh, we, we never, we didn't grow up with money or anything. We were a working class family. Um, and so my dad would always, when I had expensive gifts I wanted, he would always go to the black market. Um, up north in the country, and buy things there. And some salesman convinced him that this was the PlayStation, and and he bought something called a Poly Station, which is a knockoff PlayStation. It looks exactly like a PlayStation, but inside it's just a Nest chip, and instead of a CD drive, it has a cartridge reader for these custom cartridges that have 99 in one games. Uh, so, I. I was super excited for my PlayStation to get home, and I had I had never seen a PlayStation box before either, right? I'd just seen the PlayStation at my friends, uh, so I I unwrapped it, I like unboxed it, and then I tried to open it to pop in a disc, and there was this cartridge reader, and I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> I booted it up, and it had like Super Mario and Contra and a bunch of so I accidentally ended up with it said ninety nine in one, but the way those work is. There's basically uh, nine games, right? And then those get repeated 11 times, but each of them are weird hacks or mods. So game number one would be like Super Mario Bros. But then game number 11 would be Super Luigi Bros. And they would just swap the sprites for Mario and Luigi. So player one would be Luigi. It was stuff like that. And I, I mean, I loved it. My first, yeah, my first call. I'd been playing a bit on PC and I'd been modding a bit on PC when I was when I was young. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that if I changed words on the screen, the game would change. So I'd been doing that for a while since I was what six or something. But I didn't speak English, so it was mostly me changing like text strings, you know, changing descriptions or the speed of vehicles and racing games or whatever. Um, Back in those days, most of the most of the games would just come with plain text files that would that you could modify, they just wouldn't be called text files, it would be like this is a data file and then you open it in Notepad and it's like here's the text, just change the numbers. Um, So that's kind of where I started, but I really wanted that PlayStation Um, and I ended up not getting a PlayStation until the PlayStation 4 came out, I had an Xbox before that, a 360 yeah, I, was, I had
0: a similar path, actually. It was kind of Nintendo all the way up until about Xbox. And then um, I bought a PlayStation 4 with De- the original Destiny,
1: actually. Oh, nice. I, I only remember I got the 360 because I really liked... A few years earlier, there was this Xbox, not the Xbox 360, but like the actual Xbox. It had a demo in the toy store in my city. And on that on that uh device on that demo device was a game called fusion frenzy and fusion frenzy was this party game that you could play with up to four players and it was this this mix of mini games and it reminded me of an arcade cabinet that i used to play in egypt called panic park Um, it was made by namco and this thing was wild it was it was actually banned in most of the world because it caused too many injuries but, no, I'm not kidding, this is real. Uh, the, way, the way it worked is, it was a similar, it was this mix of mini-games, and it was a two-player game. You had a blue player and a red player, and you had these two giant sticks that were in rails that were the only interface you had. You had these two sticks, um, and the blue stick basically translated one-to-one on the screen with where your character was. So you can kind of imagine this rail was about as wide as the screen, right? and this blue stick would move, and then your character would just move to the position of your stick, but on the screen. And then there was the second player, which was a red stick, which was in the exact same rail. So um, if you wanted to go past each other, you couldn't. You would have to push each other. And then obviously the games were about trying to be in the right spot in the right time. Uh, So you ended up just like smashing these sticks into each other. Um, And, like, like, I have so many memories of me and, like, uh, siblings or friends just, you know, full shoulder, like, bash into each other to grab a coin or something. I'm not surprised that thing got banned. But then I saw Fusion Frenzy, and I really wanted that, but I couldn't afford an Xbox. So when the 360 came out, Fusion Frenzy 2 was one of the games that came with it. Um, So I bought the Xbox 360, and it turns out that sadly fusion frenzy 2 wasn't very good um so that was a bit disappointing but uh the xbox 360 was very good for me it was a, an incredible device with so many good games um and obviously a lot of indie was focused around it at that time as well so i got lucky with that big it had a
0: really good social platform as well i remember the, the xbox 360 uh or xbox live back then and uh, um Burnout was pretty good and I think that's how I originally got into kind of on the online scene. And It's kind of tied into the next question actually, um, I was wondering if you've been playing any kind of social games over the last few weeks online with your friends to sort of keep keep that kind of social interaction.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I still play Destiny, I adore Destiny, uh, a lot of Destiny is, a lot of my life includes Destiny. Um, so I I love that game. I'll, i still play it not as much um because Animal Crossing came out. I've been playing Animal Crossing a lot. Uh that's been really helpful. Uh I've been, you know, hanging out on, on Discord. Just screen sharing, watching people play. Um or, you know, people watching me play games. Um I'm terrible at Doom, it turns out, uh, Doom Eternal. Uh I I I I you know It was weird because now that i'm thinking of it i was also pretty bad at doom 2016. Uh, but i enjoyed that game so much right it felt really pac-man arcade-ish like each of the arenas felt like this little um wrap around puzzle um and then instead of collecting pills you were just shooting demons in the face which was yeah i'll take it um and then this one has platforming added in there and it's a bit more it's a bit harder to read honestly uh, but besides that, it's a phenomenal version of that of that Doom twenty sixteen game. Um, so I've been having fun with that, but I just keep getting wrecked. So my rule is, I play for up to three lives, and then I go back to Animal Crossing. Um, I haven't made a lot of progress. So
0: I really like the way the Animal Crossing
1: and the Doom marketing
0: uh, kind of joined forces because of the re- release on the same day. And so good rather than sort of be in competition with each other, they really sort of embraced it. Um, and it, that was really, that's really quite, I can't think of a time where that's happened before, but yes. I, I thought that was awesome.
1: It's so weird because if, you, if you're if you in the games industry, this is how it works. Like everybody is cheering for each other. I, I remember at DICE, uh, like the DICE Awards, right? Not DICE the company. Um, at the DICE Awards a few years ago, I posted a photo that had um, Phil Spencer and uh, Corey from Gears of War, uh, sorry, wow, well, Corey from God of War um, in a photo together and, and Shua Yoshida from PlayStation and Phil Spencer's obviously Xbox. And they were all just very happy. Phil had just congratulated God of War for like sweeping all the awards. And when I posted a photo, so many people were acting as if this was some sort of blasphemy to have these people in the same foot like everybody is friends in the games industry I don't really know what like cause, sure there's like politics and there's like personal rivalries and some people don't get along well but I think we all agree that we're here because games are good so it's really easy to cheer for each other and it was the first time I've seen it that explicit on 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 public right um, and that's really exciting I loved it like the little images of like Isabel and 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 the Doomslayer just like hanging out, like make that make that how our industry works, please, just for everything.
0: I think my favourite one I saw was there was a three D animation of um, I think Isabel was on drums, Doom Guy was on <laughs> on guitar, and they played. They I think they played uh, something heavy. It was it was really really cool, and it was really nice to see. Um, See those two franchises kind of be bra- I mean, it's 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 an amazing t- like it's the, some of the some of the games that have come out in the last few weeks. It's been really really fantastic. Not only Animal Crossing, uh, Doom Eternal, but also um, Half Life Alex
1: as well. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to. I haven't. I'm currently charging my VR headset uh, because I I have a quest, so I'm charging it. I've got the link cable ready, and I I can't wait to give it a go but uh, i haven't yet so uh you know i know a lot of the people that worked on it um and everybody that i know that worked on it is a phenomenal designer creator artist you know whatever their job is they excel at it so uh, i i can't wait to give it a go um because this is it's, it's it's exciting right this is a fully a fully developed game in an existing IP that we recognize that we can basically compare to the what's the word the flat game right the 2d the 2d rendered game uh, this is the first time you can do that and VR has blown my mind over and over with the, your you know your sense of immersion, your sense of presence, your, um, your the ability to like move and, and articulate your hands. Um, and the level of interaction that sort of affords. And there's been a bunch of games that have really used that in in interesting ways. Um, But I think this is the first uh, example of a game that it will be easy to compare, where you kind of look at it and go, okay, so this is what is different between a VR game and uh, a screen game. So that's really exciting. I can't wait to figure out what silly stuff you can do. and I'm, you know, it makes me very excited because this game will inspire others. It will inform others, and it will it'll set a direction um, that I think was, is probably going to be very exciting. I was on I was on the fence about um, investing in VR, but I, luckily
0: I did it this week, and I had uh, an Oculus Rift delivered to me today. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I can't I can't wait. To, I've had <laughs> enough of this reality. I'm jumping yeah.
1: into the virtual world my my island is doing very good it's great it's uh, it's lovely i've had i've had as, as, um, a star shower yesterday so i'm collecting stars on the beach have some friends that i've started a trading circle with where we just trade the items in stores it's it's been really good um but yeah no isn't like i think if and because i've, I've seen a lot of people in games that feel sort of helpless at the moment, right? They look at the current situation, they're like, we could have been useful, like we could have been doctors, we could have been uh, involved in like medical uh, programming. We like, w- we could have done more. Uh, a lot of people in games are, are very talented, uh, very smart people that honestly tend to have choices of where they would have gone in their life. And they ended up here because they care about video games, right? And I've seen a lot of them sort of distraught over their choices in life um, and it, it always makes me think of a conversation I had with my with my doctor when I was much younger because I've, I've always been scared of uh, needles right like injections terrify me um, so if my doctor had to give me an injection they would never tell me when I was a kid um, I would just go to the doctor for a thing And then they would try to like sneak in this, just just, like jab this thing in my arm and get it over with, uh, because it was way safer than having me slowly like stress out and freak out. And then eventually like try to run away or uh, panic. Um, but I had a very kind doctor and he he always tried to distract me with like a riddle or a story or like asking me things because, um, I guess I like talking and I've always liked talking, um. So that time he asked me what I wanted to be. And I said, well, you know, I really like video games, but you know, I don't think that's a real job like my dad, who's like I said, half Egyptian. So you grow up to like you can you can be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer or a disgrace to the family. Those are sort of like your four paths in life. Right. Um, my dad, do- my I told my doctor, my dad said that, you know, I have to I have to get like a real job, like be a doctor so I can help people and be like you and he just looked at me and he he just said like you know what here's the deal video games make people happy right I'm like yeah and he's like okay you know here's the deal I'll keep people healthy and then you make sure they're happy when they are okay and it was and it just stuck with me for the rest of my life because he was just trying to like jab me in the arm with a needle but it was this really profound like sentiment happiness is important and escapism is important and the ability to escape reality every now and then and go to a place in which we can be somebody else in which we can be powerful in which we can be uh, social in which we can be friendly in which we can be constructive in which we can do the choices that we don't have in real life like all those things matter and they matter during normal times but they matter even more now like now these things are actually important games like this Um, you know, Half-Life Alex, Animal Crossing, but every game that's out there right now that gives people a little respite from what the world is, is critical to people's uh, mental health, to people's ability to cope, to people's ability to stay inside, to people's ability to socialize. Like, now more than ever, uh, it's important that games exist. And I think in that regard, I've been trying to talk to, you know, if I see people stress out about it, I try to talk to them um, if if you know it's something that they want to talk about uh, because I think it's it's important now so I don't know yeah video games might be you know I don't want to say that they're saving the world but they're definitely helping people stay um, stay happy and you know they might be helping the quarantine in that regard as well which um yeah I guess my doctor was right who would have thought smart man and um it's uh T- talking about kind of making
0: games, uh, I know obviously you've you've made some fantastic games, and has this? I mean, how has this situation affected the sort of development of your future project? I know you've got Ultra Bugs, um, kind of in in play at the minute. How how's that going?
1: I mean, it's going pretty well. Um, Flambeau is has always been sort of a remote studio, so for us, it's not very different. I think the biggest thing that's happening right now is um, JW, my co-founder, is gearing up for the release of a solo project. Well, solo project wouldn't be wouldn't be um, wouldn't be the right word because he's working with a group of collaborators that are all phenomenal creators. Um, but that game is Disc, uh, Disc Room, which we'll be releasing under Devolver Digital somewhere in the nearby future. Um, I was supposed to get Ultra Bugs done uh, this month or next month, but given all the work I've been doing in helping developers out and make sure they get home, make sure they um, don't suffer too many financial burdens from this, um, obviously that's been delayed. So Ultra Bugs is still coming out. It's just not coming out in the next month and a half, um, which was originally the plan. So yeah, we've been delayed, but I think we've mostly been delayed by choices of our own more than by... Uh, the situation, like I just opted to focus on the community stuff, and JW just opted. I mean, he's done with UltraBugs. There's nothing more he can do for that game. It, his work is done. Um, so he just, you know, switched focus to another project. Um, so Flambear is still happening. It's just a little slower than usual, which I think is a very good spot for the company to be at the moment. Um, I don't know if I would feel very good working really hard on releasing a game while. Uh, I could be helping other people with this weird position I have in the industry. So
0: if anyone out there really wants to uh, sort of get in touch and help, um, other than um, donate to um, the GDC fund that you mentioned earlier, um, how could people get in touch and sort of help out? What What's the best way to do that, do you think?
1: So for the coming week, uh, there will be the Gamedev World livestream event. Um, the schedule for that will be available at gamedev.world, uh, which that's the full URL. It's gamedev.world. Um, people can donate throughout the stream. We'll have a bunch of really fun content. We were al- originally going to do a you know, pretty serious stream of talks, but as the situation developed, we realized that maybe that's not what people need or want right now. Uh, if they want to watch talks, they can do it on the GDC vault or uh, any of the other conferences that are just moving over to digital. So instead, we want to do more of a, a chill stream. Um, throughout that, people can donate to the fund and uh, you know help us help other people. Um, if people want to get involved in any other way, uh, currently, there isn't that much that we can do. The people that are stuck are just actually stuck. Uh, Some of them are stuck because their countries have closed their borders and the embassies have closed. Um, You know, we're exhausting every opportunity we have. If there's anybody who has ties to the embassies or governments of uh, countries that uh, still have game developers out there, obviously get in touch because that would be very helpful. Um, At the moment, I think the most helpful thing people can do is, you know stay informed of what is happening out there. Keep track of the news, but don't overwhelm yourself with the news. Don't require yourself to check out every detail of everything that's happening. Um, It's a weird situation in that the fight is global, but the way you can fight along is local. There's not much any of us can do on a global scale. Like we can just make sure that the people around us are safe and healthy. And that in turn turn keeps other people safe and healthy. I don't know, the, the, the best thing I think you can do is take care of yourself and the people right around you and if you do that, then things will be better, uh, hopefully in the, in the nearby future.
0: That's, yeah, that's some really good advice there and um, I mean, but before all of this stuff kicked yeah. off, um, I was wondering, Rami, if there was um, um, any kind of, uh, any indie games that you thought maybe people should be looking out
1: for? Oh, the, there are a lot of games happening. I have to admit that I haven't been paying attention in the last month and a half. Um, I continuously retweet stuff that I come across, and normally, when I come across something that's really good, or an indie developer reaches out to me, I'll, I'll put them on a list. And I have to admit that the list had to, you know, had to take a break while um, while this this is happening. Uh, I can go and look at what my list from backs was though. Uh, I know I came across from a game from. But these aren't out yet. Yeah, there's this game called Saturnalia, uh, like Saturn and then Alia. Uh, it's created by this company called Santa Ragione from Milan, Italy. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really hard to describe. It is a survival horror adventure, right? In uh, 3D, really unique art style. Um, but it's also in a procedurally generated world, so you have these characters that are—you have these different characters, and each of the characters acts as a life and as a perspective. So if you lose that character, if they—if they, you know, meet an unfortunate fate, then you lose access to that character, um, and if all the characters are dead, the game regenerates a new scenario. Um, a new village. And it's I have never played anything like it. it. It it was really cool. It was one of those games that you immediately look at and go, Oh wow, you can you can make something like that? Um I don't know. I got a little angry seeing it, and I that's usually my response when something is, you know, very, very good. So just get a little pissed off that it, it hasn't happened before. Um there is um, a hard space shipbreaker, which looks very good. Um, it is a game about basically salvaging and exploring um, spaceships, and then taking them apart for resources um, to find all these derelicts floating around in space and then explore them. Um, it was announced a little while ago. It looks incredible. Uh, it's very colorful for a space game, uh, which I kind of miss that in a lot of um, in a lot of space games. Honestly, they all are so sort of like gray and realistic, and everything's shiny. And um, turns out I don't actually I kind of prefer the other style where it's just we in space, everything is colorful and bright. Um, I tend to like that one better. Uh, let's see, what else? There's so much, like, if you just boot up Itch.io at the moment, it's it's ridiculous how much stuff is coming out. Uh, and a lot of games at the moment, especially on Itch, are uh, reduced in price. I think a lot of indies understand that, you know, they make games, but right now a lot of people need games, but can't necessarily afford games. So a lot of people are discounting their game or uh, even um, or even making their game entirely free, which is very very nice to see. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot. Um,
0: That's some top recommendations there, Rami. Thank you very much. And I've I've taken up loads of your time today, but I just wanted to finish on one on one question. And um, we sort of touched on it before, but we've we sort of share a passion for the Destiny franchise. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I, I wondered what you what your thoughts were of like this this season or sort of the state of the game at the moment. How, how do you think it's going?
1: I mean, I think it's in an okay state at the moment. One of the things I really appreciate about Bungie is their willingness to really experiment with the sort of core set of the game, right? And it's something that garners them a lot of criticism because people always have the answers. People so people always know what they need to change. Um, but there's a huge difference between having an opinion on the internet and you know having to actually make a thing, sustain a thing, and and figure out how to balance the needs of one group of players against the other group of players. I think Bungie has been really good at trying out things for us for a certain amount of time and then seeing whether it works right and i think these these past two seasons with um with the last season but now also season of the worthy the uh, season of dawn a season of the worthy i think um they're really showing that they're trying to figure out how to get that sort of core play loop down right how to make it interesting how to make sure that every activity is rewarding in an interesting way and um It feels like they're making... This season feels like they're putting some bonds in place, right? I think they learned... Because people forget that when Bungie makes a season, they are effectively working on the next one, and probably already in in pre-production or even production for the one after that. So a lot of choices based on what Season of the Dawn did, um, those won't manifest in any way in the game until next season, after Season of Worthy. So, I don't know, I, I, I have to say I haven't, the, the idea of this season is really cool, the sort of core play loop for, it just isn't really for me, it's a lot of do this thing over and over and over again, but I think part of it is that they're trying to move a lot of the, um, I think they needed time to move a lot of rewards from specific places to more gameplay activities i'm also not a huge pvp player so osiris trials of osiris is just kind of lost on me um so i don't know i i think it's in an interesting space design wise like uh, in terms of like process in terms of future I, I have very high hopes for what comes next this season isn't super for me so i'll do my weekly so i'll run around i'll punch some of my friends in the face we'll go do some strikes or a raid or something and then you know you just go go back to I, I really like what my armor looks like which is the most important thing about destiny i think um my guns shoot good my armor looks nice uh so i'm happy i'm really happy with with what the game is i just aren't i ain't playing for like two hours every day uh which actually might be good um because otherwise my my islanders will be very upset with me and you know
0: yeah, I, it's it's a tricky balance between. I'm I'm finding that at the minute with Destiny and Animal Crossing, they're kind of both both quite
1: um, the games that need attention. They're 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 100 like FOMO games. They're both like that's the thing I love about Animal Crossing. It's secretly it's a brutal game. Like Animal Crossing takes no hostages, and it's it's been really funny seeing it in the fandoms. You know, we were talking about Doom and Animal Crossing earlier. But like the entire doom community is kind of like you know just the game is hard take your time you know relax don't worry if you can't beat the boss in one go it takes a few effort like it takes a few tries and the animal cross community is just like here's a spreadsheet that has all of the stuff if you miss this before march is over you won't be able to get this fish again until december so you better get that fish you got to upgrade that building you know got to pay off tom nook in the next three days and it's just like wow but Yeah, Animal Crossing is a hardcore game. It just doesn't look it. But like Destiny, it uses very similar sort of like fear of missing out, uh, like ownership, that kind of stuff. Animal Crossing is a fascinating game. I, I I love the games industry's awareness of just how evil Animal Crossing is, while at the same time being so joyous and pleasant that actually nobody cares. It, um, it it really couldn't have come
0: um, at a better time. And have you have you created a tarantula island for farming yet?
1: No, I haven't. But that's exactly the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's so good. It's terrifying, but it's so it's like let's let's if you completely what was it if you completely clear an island of all resources so that no bugs can spawn, no other bugs can spawn, it will always pick the tarantula that's wild and also exactly animal crossing like people min max everything i love, it.
0: I so love then it with it with an hour of farming or so you can you can pick up about 25 or 30 trenches i'm not sure i'd want 25 or 30 trenches yeah. in my
1: pockets but yeah.
0: uh, <laughs> i think yeah. i think the money's the the bells are worth it
1: yeah yeah it's been it's been really fun just I, so i've been trying to play with no time travel no uh exploits no anything um so i'm i'm actually very early in the game compared to a lot of people uh because i need to stretch this game like i know i need to stretch this game if i uh, if i go through it too fast in like a week and a half i'm going to be out of stuff to play or two weeks uh you know animal crossing if you want to get to and sort of like a an ending state of the game it usually takes like two or three months but if you exploit your way through it it goes a little faster and i really need animal crossing right now so although there's so much good stuff coming up as well like i'm um, the final fantasy 7 remake uh oh so good i i really didn't expect to like it that much but uh yeah it's it's my me- you know the hard thing with doing a remake like that is you're not comp- you're not trying to make that game again, you're trying to make the memory of that game. And the memory of a game is always better than the game is. Um they are making a game that is my memory of Final Fantasy VII. Like the, you know, the the demo just the the going into that macro reactor and just seeing that building and I'm just like, "Wow, yep, this is what this is what I was imagining as a kid." I was I was super impressed, and um, we've also got
0: Resident Evil Three, I think, as well. So,
1: I I cannot play horror games. This is a thing people people don't know this about me, but horror, like I adore horror games because they use so many tricks of the trade in such blatant ways. But I even in like broad daylight with like friends on the couch, I can I I can't do it. There's no way I um. I had a friend that was playing Resident Evil seven on the TV next to me while I was playing Zelda. And I just remember the moment I got the Master Sword in Breath of the Wild, uh, they got a major scare in Resident Evil and just yelled and jumped up from the couch. And I dropped my Switch mid Master Sword reveal animation. And it's just like, you know what? Horror games have done it now. Like I just, I appreciate them, but I'm never going to interact with them again because I, I can't I can't do it. There's
0: a lot of really good games to look forward to, and um, Rami, I've I've taken up loads of your time. I really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk to us today. I know it's a it's a bit of a bit of a weird sort of situation that we're all in, and um, I, I think you've you've mentioned a lot of sort of great things that we can do to sort of chip in and help each other out there. Um, but I, I just want to say. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us on this week in video games. Really appreciate it.
1: it. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. This was lovely.
0: Well, that was me there talking to Rami. And thank you once again for taking the time to talk to me, Rami. Uh, There's some really great stuff in there. And it was a real fun interview. Don't forget to check out gamedev.world. And also check out WingsFun.me GDC Relief so if you're enjoying this week in video games podcast then head on over to itunes and it'd be great if you could leave us a nice review helps get the word out about the podcast so if you've got access to itunes then i'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and don't forget this week in video games has a youtube channel that goes alongside with the podcast the YouTube channel's got the entire archive of the podcast, as well as dedicated reviews, interviews, and loads of features. There's loads of Destiny 2 related content there as well, so if you want to level up your Guardian, head on over to the This Week in Video Games YouTube channel. So search This Week in Video Games on YouTube and subscribe today for all the latest content. And if you want to see anything specific on YouTube, sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Video Games, and it'd be great to hear from you finally if you want to join the community check out the discord link in the description below or you can follow me on twitter at twivgpodcast it'd be great to see you there well next up let's have a look at the best games while we're stuck inside with the way things are going at the moment it looks like we're going to be spending much more time indoors in 2020 Video games are the perfect medium, however, that will provide you entertainment and can keep you in touch with friends without the need for leaving your home. The following is a guide for the best video games for socialising while social distancing. So many of us are stuck at home at the moment due to the events around the world. The good news is video games are perfect for keeping in touch with your friends whilst we're spending more time indoors. Over the past weekend, Steam hit record numbers with 20 million concurrent users, with 20 million players online, and approximately 6.4 million active users playing video games. So you can play with in-game chat features, but the best solution is probably to use Discord. The voice chat features, they're really good, and you can create a bunch of rooms if you have a big group of friends and you want to separate your rooms for different games. Well, let's dive into some of the best games, and first up, we got Sea of Thieves. And what better way to take your mind off things by gathering a bunch of friends together and taking to the high seas in a pirate adventure? So you can explore islands, fight huge sea monsters and also other pirate ships. You can play with up to four players in your immediate party, but there could also be more if you play nice with other crews on the same server. This one is available on PC and Xbox and is also available through Xbox Game Pass. Next up we've got Rocket League and Rocket League is kind of like football but instead of players you've got Rocket Cars. One of the best things about Rocket League is that it has cross-platform play, that means you can play with up to 4 players on PC and consoles. So there's events, time limited modes and you can also decorate your Rocket Car. Rocket League is available for Xbox, Playstation 4, PC and Nintendo Switch. Next up we've got Jackbox Party Pack, and this is a party game full of funny mini-games. It's all about playing together in groups. There's trivia, drawing, guess true or false statements, and word association games. There's been plenty of expansions to Jackbox, so there'll be something for everyone. Up to 8 players can play Jackbox together using their phones, their tablets and controllers, so this one is a little bit more accessible to those who perhaps aren't used to video games. And this is available on Xbox, Playstation 4, Nintendo Switch and PC. Next up we've got Friday the 13th and this is a horror movie come to life and a great game to play with your friends. So you can play as a teenager trying to escape from the camp or Jason Voorhees who's trying to get his revenge on, well, anyone. There's loads of weapons and missions and it's probably the most frightening game of hide and seek you'll ever play. So load up Discord, get everyone in a party chat and have a great time. You can play with up to 7 friends online so this one is great for bigger groups. Friday the 13th is available on Nintendo Switch, PC, PS4 and Xbox One. Next up we've got Monster Hunter World, and Monster Hunter World is a game about chasing down monsters with your friends, leveling up your character and getting new weapons and armor. So the battles with monsters can take up to 20 plus minutes and can be super tough, but when you manage to take down that huge beast it's hugely satisfying, and there's nothing like being chased around the jungle for 20 minutes by a T-Rex looking thing and then coming out on top. You can play with up to four players in your party, and you can mix and match your weapons. There's plenty of weapon styles to learn, and it's also one of the most beautiful games on current generation consoles and PC. This was followed up with a huge expansion called Monster Hunter World Iceborne, so there's plenty of content for you to play through. Check out Monster Hunter World on PC, PS4, Xbox One. Also, there's a free alternative to Monster Hunter called Dauntless, and that's crossplay, meaning you can play with others on any platform. Next up, we got Overcooked 2. And Overcooked 2 is fun. It's a social cooking game and great for the whole family. This is a follow-up to the original and has more recipes, characters and kitchens. You can bake, barbecue and broil with up to three other players locally or online. There's loads of recipes including sushi, pasta, cakes, burgers and burritos and it's your job to serve them up to hungry customers. This one is a great one for the family whilst you're stuck at home. Overcooked 2 is available on PC, PS4, Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. Next up is Super Smash Bros Ultimate and Super Smash Bros Ultimate is the biggest collection of video game characters found from all generations, all in one place and they're ready to juke it out. There's Nintendo classics like Mario, Luigi, Link, Kirby Pikachu and Donkey Kong, and there's classic characters too like Ryu from Street Fighter, Pac-Man from, you know, Pac-Man, there's lots of Fire Emblem characters as well, and the game has been followed up with DLC, including new fighters like Banjo Kazooie and Joker from Persona. There's a huge amount of characters, stages and items, the soundtrack is also legendary, you can play in local co-op or online with 1-4 players, and Super Smash Bros Ultimate is exclusive to Nintendo Switch. Next up, we got Call of Duty Warzone. And this is a new free-to-play Battle Royale from Activision. This one is available with the latest Call of Duty Modern Warfare, or you can download it for free as a standalone game. So this has 150 players, which is an increase of 50 from other Battle Royale games, like Fortnite or Apex Legends. And the aim of the game is to be the last one standing. So Infinity Ward, the developers have provided some incremental improvements to the Battle Royale system much like apex legends improved things with the ping system warzone also adds some new features that make battle royales even more fun for example you can come back into the game if you die and when you die you're sent into a gulag and you have to battle it out one-on-one with another player to get back in the game win you're in die and you're out it's really super exciting stuff So Warzone is cross-play enabled so you can play with others on other platforms as well which is really really cool and it's free like I said before so you know there's really no excuse to jump in. You can play a squads of three and there's also talk of bigger squads coming to the game soon but that is sometime in the future. And the game is available on PC, PS4 and Xbox One. Finally we've got my old favourite it's Destiny 2. And Destiny 2, it's an online Lua shooter with player versus player or player versus environment modes. And you can team up with five others in a fire team to take on six others in PVP. Or you can team up with two others and just explore the solar system. If you're up for a challenge, then some of the best content in the game are the raids, where up to six players can take on massive bosses in some of the best content found in video games. There's a whole bunch of things to do, including exploring, quests, big set piece horde modes, and seasonal events, It's a great game if you want a challenge or if you just want to simply travel around the solar system going from planet to planet. The game is free to play and can be downloaded via Steam. Also check out the YouTube channel I've got loads of guides on Destiny 2 so if you want to get geared up and get all the best stuff in Destiny 2 then check out some other videos on my channel and I've got loads of guides for all the best weapons and uh, things like that. Well that's it for the best games for social distancing and if you've got any suggestions sign up to patreon.com forward slash this week in video games and send your suggestions and I'll read them out on the podcast. Next up is my first impressions of the Final Fantasy 7 remake demo. Final Fantasy VII Remake is nearly here with the game being released on April 10th, 2020. This is exclusive to PlayStation 4 and there's a demo available right now for free. So if you're interested in the game, then you should pick up the demo. So the following are my first impressions of Final Fantasy VII Remake. So Final Fantasy VII is an RPG that was originally released in 1997 for the original PlayStation. The game focused on Cloud, Strife, a mercenary who joins forces with eco-terrorists. They're a group called Avalanche, and uh, they're trying to stop a huge corporation from stealing the lifeblood of the planet and use it for energy sources. So the crew they're after Sephiroth, a superhuman determined to harness the power for his own means and become a demi-god. So initially Cloud is on the outskirts, but he gets closer to the member of his newfound friends throughout the adventure, in particular Aerith, who holds a secret to saving the world. So the gameplay has been updated in the remake from the original version. Originally it was a traditional turn based RPG and the remake is a combination of classic and modern. So you've got action adventure style hack and slash combat combined with turn based mechanics. You've got regular and heavy attacks and you can combine these with spells and items like potions and revive abilities. The combination of both styles felt really refreshing although it did feel a little bit button mashy at times initially you start out as cloud and you're taken through a series of tutorials to show you the ropes so cloud has a powerful punisher mode that allows for strong attacks against multiple opponents other players can join your party with Barrett available in the demo as well. He's got some nice range attacks with the gun attachment on his arm. So you can press the D-pad to switch between the characters throughout the battle and learning your enemies' attack patterns and switching up between characters is going to be key to taking down some of the bigger enemies. There's a variety of enemies from drones, security guards and then bigger mechs as well and they're looking to take you out. Scorpion bow at the back end of the demo is really, really good fun and felt quite challenging. Uh, with other players in your party, there's range attacks, spells, and abilities that you will need to utilize to, to take down your opponents. So Barrett, for example, he's got a huge focused attack and thunder, which is really useful against the Scorpion. So items, they're strewn throughout the game in boxes and as drops when you defeat enemies. So keep an eye on your health throughout battles and make sure you're topping yourself up with potions or heal spells. Otherwise bosses are going to make sure work of you. So this one is one of the best looking PS4 games I've seen and it ran pretty well on my base PS4. The music is fantastic too, it's got big orchestral pieces accompanying the action as it raises up and down with the flow of the game and the graphics and the music really elevate the game up. The voice acting however is a little bit cheesy but that is kind of to be expected. The slightly controversial part of this game is it's going to be the first part of the game only. We don't know yet how many more parts there are going to be when they're coming out or when part one finishes. The game has been fleshed out and we expect a 40 plus hour, maybe more, game in the first instalment. However, it would be good to know the roadmap and when the next parts are coming out. As first impressions go, I love the demo. Uh, I don't have nostalgia for Final Fantasy 7 as I was a Nintendo kid when I grew up and uh, I played games like Legend of Zelda and Action RPGs and didn't really appreciate turn based RPGs until later on in life. This game looks and sounds absolutely awesome. The controls take a little bit of getting used to but once you get into the flow it feels really good. The upgrades from the graphics, the music, the cutscenes and the combat all add up to a really fun experience. It will be interesting to see how the combat plays out in the main game and how it feels when more get added to the party. So as soon as Barrett gets added to the party the fight feels much more dynamic and less button mashing uh, introducing tactics, items and spells. On the less positive side, I did find myself pausing throughout battles in the various menu selection screens, which I kind of found interrupted the flow a little bit, but it wasn't a huge deal. So I played the demo twice now, and I really enjoyed the second playthrough. Uh, once I had the controls down. I also found though that the targeting was sometimes off, uh, auto targeting an enemy around a corner who I couldn't reach, and then when I tried to manually target, it didn't really seem to work. So that was a little bit weird, but hopefully that'll be fixed up for the main game. I'd recommend this to pretty much anyone really. Uh, I'm going in blind and not knowing the story, however, there's plenty of spoilers out there on the internet. I guess it has been out for 23 years, so that makes perfect sense. However, if you want to enjoy the story spoiler free, then try and avoid searching for Final Fantasy VII spoilers, as there's some major story beats in the game that would probably be better unspoiled if you can avoid them. So the Final Fantasy VII remake comes out on PS4 on April the 10th, 2020. Well that's it for the Final Fantasy 7 Remake Demo and let me know if you played it. Sign up to patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames and I'll read out your stories on the podcast. Next up, let's have a look at the charts. So at 10 this week it's Red Dead Redemption 2 and that's up 4 places from last week's 14. At 9 this week, it's Crash Team Racing Nitro-Fueled, and that's up 15 places from last week's 24. Number 8 this week, it's Forza Horizon 4, and that was last week's 25. At 7 this week, it's Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, and that was last week's number 12. At number 6 this week, it's Grand Theft Auto 5, that's holding steady. Number 5 this week, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, down from last week's number 2. Number 4 this week, it's FIFA 20. Number 3 this week, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, And at number two this week, we've got a new entry, it's Doom Eternal. And I've heard really good things about Doom Eternal, really, really good fun. And uh, let me know if you've got that one. At number one this week, is Animal Crossing New Horizons. And congratulations to the team for that number one in the charts. Well, that's it for the charts this week. Let's have a look at what we've got coming up in the next few weeks. So on March the 31st, we've got a few games. We've got Persona 5 Royale, that's coming out on PS4. And we've got The Complex, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. On April the 1st we've got Totally Reliable Delivery Service, that's PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Iolis Tournament, that's Switch and PC. We've got Hyper Parasite, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC, and I'll be having a look at a review. And I'll be having a look at a review of that game on the next episode of the podcast. We've got Resident Evil 3, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One and PC. And then on the 7th, we got Disaster Report 4, Summer Memories. That's PlayStation VR, PS4, Switch, and PC. Then finally, on April the 10th, we got the big one. It's Final Fantasy VII Remake. And that's coming out on PS4. Well, that's it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, do contact me through patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram to so search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in the conversation. Well, thanks once again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games. I hope you have a good week. I'll talk to you next weekend. But for now, I'll see you soon.